Can you imagine going from the 4D to the 1D through the power of confidence? That's exactly what barrel racer Mackenzie Mae Brown did with her horse, Royal. Finding her confidence shattered after a bad fall, rather than give up, Mackenzie Mae dove in, did the internal mental work, and she is stronger than ever. Listen up, because she shares exactly what she did to rebuild her confidence. We also chat about rehab for her barrel horse royal, coming back after an injury, building community in the horse world, and how her horse's injury changed her training program, both for her horse and for herself. Being a confident leader for your horse and so much more. Oh my gosh, this is such a juicy episode. Oh, and she's a great person to hang out with. I'm your host, Nicole Burnett, and welcome to the Resilient Rainer Podcast. Welcome to the Resilient Rainer, the premier podcast focused on mental performance for equestrians and improved horse show performance. Whether you're a rookie Rainer or a seasoned competitor, this show is for riders who want to take their skills to the next level and achieve their full potential in the show ring. I'm Nicole Burnett, and I'm a master mindset coach who's obsessed with helping you achieve all those horse dreams you always thought were impossible. Join me each week to develop a show-ready mindset and gain the competitive edge you need to compete with confidence. Welcome back, everybody, to the Resilient Reader podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Burnett. And I am just beyond thrilled to welcome Mackenzie Mae Brown today. And Mackenzie Mae is a first-generation equestrian. She's been riding since she was 10 years old. She started out in 4-H, like so many of us, mainly focusing on showing and all-around performance. Mm -hmm. And she discovered the cans and she got that can juice and itch and I started cheating in barrel racing. When she got her current horse royal, she really stuffed it up. And together they've gone from just trotting around the barrels to notching 1D wins. And they recently broke an arena record. So kudos to that. Thank you. But unfortunately, with horses, there's often some downs that come with the ups. And so back in 2020, Royal tore his right front deep digital flexor tendon twice in the same year. (laughs) Overachiever. Yeah. (laughs) Once they were able to race again, they went on to make some of the best runs of their career. So proving comebacks are indeed stronger than our setbacks. And currently... They are battling yet another setback as Royal is rehabbing from a new injury from September 2023. So today on the podcast, we get to discuss not only their comeback from the original injury, but their the one they're currently rehabbing and how Mackenzie May is dealing with this. I'm just so excited because as horse people, there's kind of this trope that horses can get hurt in a padded stall. So it's deeply uncomfortable, but injuries happen. And so being able to handle that is is just a required part of being in the horse world. And especially when it's your main horse or you don't have a string of horses. And so I think so many people are really going to be able to resonate with your story. So, 
Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. Well, let's start by telling, do you want to share anything else about kind of the initial injury and what sort of time off you've had with that? Just to give a little context. Yeah. So back in 2020, it actually happened. A lot of people think, because I'm very certain, it probably happened in the competition pen. Nope. It was a boring, I pulled him out of the pasture and he was three-legged. It was on our winter break too, so he really wasn't doing anything. But where I was from, I grew up in Yakima, Washington, and it gets really snowy there, really icy, and must have just slipped, fell, done something, and uh, he did that. Then we started the rehab process, which if anyone knows how tendon injuries go, it is a very long, grueling rehab process with a lot of hand washing. <laughs> But about halfway through, I think it was in May, he got loose and ripped around the arena and retore the oh. tendon in the exact same spot, which is just brutal. Because <laughs> that was literally like two weeks beforehand. We just got the go ahead to start walking under saddle. So it was it was brutal. Brutal. I'm not going to lie. But. After that, I decided to give him six months of just basically nothing but walking. There were some things if I could go back in time that I would do differently, but can't do that. I'm doing that now with my current injury. But um, and it was about two years we were able to come back into competition. Uh, we sent him to a rehab facility, which I am so blessed and thankful that we were able to do that because it was just such a blessing having that help. We were able to take him to a place called Pegasus, which is over at Redmond, Washington. And they have like the swimming pools, the walker, the water treadmill. They had like red light therapy, oxygen change. Like, I mean, it was like a whole fancy thing. I wanted to stay there. Like, yeah. it, was, it was so fancy. But that's kind of what started me on to kind of learning a lot about injuries rehab, conditioning, treating our horses like athletes, like that is kind of what got the ball rolling. So yeah, that was our bit of a roller coaster, but I'm very thankful it happened because it made me into the rider I am today and the horsewoman I am today. So I'm I'm thankful for that at least. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, I feel like you perfectly set me up to ask you then, well, oh, sounds like this has really impacted you. How is this affected your approach to it sounds like potentially both mentally your approach to barrel racing your kind of approach to treating your horse more like an athlete tell me more about that so the more i started to research on how this injury could have happened the more i realized that yes it was a slip up but it also was his tendon wasn't strong enough it shouldn't have happened that's all it's just is it really shouldn't have happened but like me, every other horse owner, anyone, doesn't matter how experienced you are, you're always learning things. You're always, you're ignorant until you know better. That's just how it is. And it just opened my eyes. I'm like, okay, no one's talking about how to treat these horses like athletes. We're still living by wives' tales mm -hmm. that we were thinking a hundred years ago. Like as a community, we haven't that evolved into how we think and how we treat our horses. But it is out there. You just have to really support it. Um, so it's just kind of changed my whole mental aspect of it that 
yes, this is a sport and we advocate that so much. We're always talking about, oh yeah, horse riding is a sport. And, you know, we get all upset when people say it's not a sport, but then I'm like, okay, if we're saying it's a sport, we should be treating it like a sport. Yeah. You know, and that goes, yeah, a hundred. Yeah. I mean, it goes, it goes for the mental aspect and the physical aspect. Like, yeah, it's a whole kit and caboodle. We got to treat ourselves like professional athletes and we've got to treat our horses like professional athletes if we expect us to perform like professional athletes. And that goes with rehabbing, physical therapy, mental aspect, you know, training our mind, training our horse's mind is also a huge one. And just really building that up. But yeah. If we're anything, I mean, if I were just to pull something out of my brain, I would think something mm-hmm. a lot of like, long, slow distance or trot work or hills or like, is there anything that's changed your kind of physical conditioning program? Oh, 100%. Um, For one, walking is so much bigger than I could have ever imagined it being. Warm up is so important and it's not what we think it is most of the time. Um, Warm up your horse is not taking two laps around the arena and then going off right away. It is like, and I know it is brutal to walk your horse for 20 minutes. It is kind of boring, but listening to podcasts is a really fun way to just kind of power through it. Seriously, it's what I do. You know, you pop these babies in and that has definitely changed it. I know, uh, like you said, slow, long work is super important, but strengthening is also super, super important. And one thing I've been researching more lately in the past year is has been like stretching. Um, and it's like yoga for horses, you know, and how much it can actually do to help improve our horse and engage different muscles, disengage different muscles, and actually build those muscles just by stretching, which is just mind blowing to me. So I've kind of taken more of a hippy dippy approach to things. But I mean, when my horse was competing before he got injured back in September, he was at his best. Like he was firing and he was learning how to run with his new body almost. Like it was really incredible to see him gain this confidence and kind of be like, oh, I actually feel good. And it's not just giving your horse butte before a run. It's not injecting every single muscle and joint. It's not throwing on a new bit to try and make them better. It is time and patience and a lot of hard work but it's so worth it. So worth it. Yeah. And I would almost say even like as a a reframe would even be even more than being hippy dippy. It really feels much more of like very cutting edge where it's this cutting edge. Look at like, this is how athletes in other sports, like this is how they're treating their, you know, the athletes, whether it's the horse Mm -hmm. or a human. And so it's kind of like, no, we're just really getting up to join everybody else. Oh, yeah. I know and people will say, oh, it's being hippie. No, it's it's science. It really, it really is science. It's exercise science. It is biomechanics. It is just how the world is. Um, and it's kind of upsetting sometimes to be called labeled hippie for not wanting to do things a traditional way. Yeah. But that's what it is. And I'm hoping to bring a little bit more uh, you're just you're up in the horse. The word. I the love world. <laughs> 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 So yeah, no, it's it's been great. And I've seen a lot of positive changes. And at the end of the day, people just want to learn. Oh, yeah. 
That's that's what it is. And as soon as they learn, their whole outcome changes and like this whole world is just open in front of you. It is so cool to see and it is so cool to guide young and even older equestrians to this new path. It is just so cool. I love it so much. Cool. Well, so that's some of the physical side. How has this changed in any way some of your mental approach to either barrel racing or rehab? Take that wherever you want. Okay. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit here just because I feel like it's really important for people to hear. So when we came back from our first initial injury, uh, the tendon injury, it was our first run back in almost two years. and. Royal is feeling really good. He's a very calm horse. He's all cowbred. He's a very chill horse. But when I took him to this barrel race, he knew what he was there to do. And he missed barrel racing. And he is not usually like a crazy horse. But oh my gosh, he was like just excited. excited. He was so excited. And we went in to go make our run. And he was hauling. Hauling. I've never felt him run this fast. Actually, since then, I have not felt him run that fast as he did that day. And I remember I was just grinning ear to ear. I was like, in the video, you can hear me cooting, hollering, like, oh my gosh, so much fun. And we turned the first, made our way to the second, and he hasn't been running in a long time. He didn't switch his lead in time going into the second and he was just going too fast. I couldn't pull him up and we slipped and fell at the second. Like, I mean, completely on our side. Thank the Lord we were both okay. But after that, I got scared. He got scared and it just shattered our confidence. We hadn't run in almost two years. And then this is, that was the first thing we got back to. And for the next I want to say it was like six months. We were running like 340 times, which just totally backtracked us. And it got to the point where I knew something was affecting me mentally. I went on it, especially since I was taking um, psychology and mental health classes at the time at my community college. And I just really hounded. I was diagnosed with ADHD. So I was like, okay, I know something's going on here with my mental aspect and I need to get on this to try and make him better. And it got to the point where I was feeling great. I was mentally prepared, but he still wasn't. And I think that's one thing we don't give our horses enough credit for. They can lose confidence just like us. And especially when we've been so long with us having no confidence, it's going to take them some time to get that confidence, but you have to be the leader of the confidence in order for them to get that. So it took us a while, but we finally got it. We just, it was a very slow our confidence because he was scared to run yeah i mean yeah it was it was scary and it took a while to get back from that but we did we did um got too much confidence <laughs> no i think but yeah it's so yeah that you say that because one of the things that i observe a lot is that if a rider lacks confidence a lot of times they'll put that on the horse to carry them through and so they'll put that on the horse of like, well, this is why I spent so much money to buy this horse. This is why I spent so much money to put them in breeding. Okay, this is why I spent so much money to buy the breeding. And, and you're like, they're supposed to carry me through because I'm not as good as my horse yet. And it can bring up a couple things because on the one hand, 
there's a kernel of healthy like pairing in there because oh gosh what's that other saying like green on green is black on blue you know right yeah (laughs) there's a kernel of like truth in there of like when you're getting started absolutely have you know a good horse who can help you but it can get a little bit perverted because if you're not careful that can turn into treating your horse more like a commodity and not just as a real horse i want to say person but as a real i'm going to say person i know i'm going to do it but as a real human person who has their own experience of your time together and so you know you can want to use them or be upset or be have unfair expectations on your horse because, you know, I don't know if you've ever noticed, too, sometimes if a horse is with a really fearful rider and the rider doesn't catch up to the horse within, you know, it's it's variable, but within some amount of time, yeah. the horse starts to get worried even if they haven't done anything wrong because they're like, well, my rider is really freaking out. Like, you know, and they kind of can degrade a little bit or they start to develop their own self-confidence issues even if oh, they're yeah. not doing anything wrong. And so it's this whole thing of absolutely agree that we have to acknowledge that like they're not totally separate independent tracks mm-hmm. yeah. well and we're seen mm-hmm. as leaders to yeah. them you know we, we are we're their boss mayor you yeah know? we had to set the tone for it and if we're setting the tone as something scary is in that arena and we're gonna <laughs> go in but i'm a little scared but you gotta go in of i have some gate issues <laughs> Oh, absolutely. <laughs> They're like, my human has gait issues. I'm just following. No, them. yeah. Like, you know, and it's the same thing of just, I mean, think about it. If you ever go to load your horse in the trailer and maybe your horse has trailering issues and you're already thinking, my horse isn't going to load. My horse isn't going to load. And you're already thinking that, oh my gosh, my horse isn't going to do this. And now the horse is like, yeah. Then they go in, you see how freaked out she is. <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah, it is mind-blowing that sometimes we forget that they are individuals. Yeah. And um, they come with their own sets of problems and traumas, especially if we haven't owned this horse our whole life. We don't know what they dealt with beforehand. Even if we didn't set that tone, it's up to us to kind of make the way for that and kind of make that path for that and set an example for them. Um, so they can kind of pick up what we're laying down. Yeah. Well, Tom, so what sorts of things did you do that helped you rebuild your confidence? Because I think so many people relate to that feeling of like, you have a scary moment and it happens for a lot of people if they take a break and come back as an adult, if you have kids, if like you just have a scary experience or you're just, you know, you have a scary moment and you're like, I have health insurance, but like, I can't, you know, play as about that yeah so i mean a lot of it was and i think a lot of people need to realize this too is it's working with your brain and working what works with you um and it's different for every single rider every single person for me it was just turning anxiety to excitement which uh it's really incredible it's really super like exciting research to actually look into but i love it and it's going to sound so dumb, but it is what works for me. And that's how it is. I will say it. I'm a people pleaser. I'm a crowd pleaser. I think it is so much fun to have people cheering your name and going like that. It's so much fun to me. 
So when I started getting super nervous and just super low confidence with things, and it was my friend who actually helped me with this, she's like, everyone's here to watch you. You know, and so, some people that's not going to work for because some people are like, I don't want anyone watching no. me. Yeah, you know, like they're like, absolutely not. Like, I don't want anyone watching me. Don't tell me that. But it worked for me because not in a everyone to be watching me kind of way. It is like I have an expectation to hold kind of a way. And it was just, you're at the NFR, you know, just the lights, the music, everything is on you. And I had to almost like set the stage for myself. And I had to think um, kind of more of like, okay, I got to impress them. And if there is a 12-year-old out in the crowd right there, she's not going to want to watch someone who's going into the arena like this and kind of like, she wants to see someone sitting up tall, you know? She, she's confident and she's walking into this like she knows what she's doing, you know? Um, it's weird, but it's what got me into that mindset. And then out of the arena, what really helped me was journaling, um, kind of getting those, like just word vomiting onto paper. Oh. <laughs> helped a lot. Um, meditating and breathing exercises. As stupid as they seem at first, really can help, especially breathing. Um, I'm going to interrupt you. Like, yeah. I, I didn't no, her for this interview. I didn't tell her what to say. A preacher. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, and it's just, if you do have some mental setbacks, like um, ADHD, aut- you're on the autistic spectrum. I mean, um, <laughs> OCD, bipolar, a lot of these things go undiagnosed, especially in the horse community, because we got to be cowgirl tough and cowgirls don't cry or show emotions. So can't be mentally wrong with you or else they're going to send you to the asylum. (laughs) And, you know, I mean, it goes all over, but especially the horse community, we just tend to ignore it. But working with that, um, a lot of people don't want to admit this or like they'll say it's weak. Really talking to a therapist really can help if it gets to that point. There are other things, but sometimes a therapist can help get you started and you're not weak. And if you need to do that, it's okay to ask for help like that. And sometimes it's not for you. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it doesn't work out, but they can at least help you get the ball rolling and help you realize that you're not alone in this. And there are coping issues. I'm not not coping issues. There are coping mechanisms. Yeah. There well, we go. You <laughs> have some coping issues. And, and <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, or getting coaching. I mean, there's so many resources out there and it's okay to look for those resources. It is okay to ask for help, especially if it's making you a better person, which in turn is making you a better athlete. If it makes you a better athlete, it's going to make your horse a better athlete. And what do you know? you're having better times and you're enjoying riding again and competing's fun and it's not anxiety inducing and it's just it's okay that's it's yeah yeah no I love that because what I just heard you say that you know because a lot of what you're talking about um is about like facing whatever is going on head on And I think that part really definitely embodies this kind of cowgirl spirit of like, we're not going to run away. We're going to like face whatever it is. And so you're starting with the things that you can do. Things like, you know, 
journaling absolutely is amazing. Um, I love that, especially for kind of digging up any sort of limiting beliefs, because it's amazing the things that are hiding in the corners of our brain where you're all like, it doesn't surprise me. If you're like, I'm going to get hurt, my horse is going to get hurt, I'll never barrel race again. Well, you're not going to be pushing it, are you? <laughs> you know, like, and so really dragging up anything that's in there. Um, you know, the breathing, the meditation, like all of this, because that's the other thing is that I totally hear that, like the nervousness to say that kind of stuff out loud in the horse community, even though these are, I'm actually reading the coolest book right now where the guy, he literally works with Olympic athletes and like he's on staff at West Point to teach them all of these things because they're like, yeah, when you're in the firefight and you can't get support for two days, like you better figure out how to reframe your situation, okay? You got to make it work for you. And so all of this stuff is in other situations. And so bringing up, you know, the breathing, the visualization, the journaling. And then if at some point you're like, I think there may be more here, bring in some outside help, bring in a coach, see a therapist, like have people to help guide you through this, you know, see a doctor, Mm -hmm. like all these things. Like I love that you talk about a healthy progression of support. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And it's not something that you can just dive into. I mean, especially if you're someone who has ADHD, hyperfixation is real and it can burn you out very, very quickly. That's actually kind of what got me started on it is I got hyperfixated on it. And I was like, I'm going to do all this stuff. And I entered like three different challenges and I had like three different journals. I was like, I'm going to eat better. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to do all this stuff. And then I got like totally burnt out. And then I got super depressed for like two to three weeks because I totally burnt myself out and tried to do too much. And it's just ease into it. It's a gradual incline um, where it just starts with even just making your bed first thing in the morning, you know, making your bed and drinking a full thing of water before going to coffee. Even if you can't journal, there are there's a great one. Um, what's the name of it? I think it's called the five minute journal, where it actually guides your prompt because it's hard to start journaling if you don't really know where to start. So getting one that kind of already like has the prompts for you is a great way to get started. And then you're just gonna have like four journals that are just covered and like all these different words. And you're gonna be like, how did I get here? Who is this person? <laughs> And you're going to be like, oh, I'm spending like an hour every day now. (laughs) But it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like it really paid off because, you know, you were able to go from, you're saying, three, four D times all the way up to being back in the one D. I'd say that's a pretty darn good investment on your hour a day. I'll take it. I'll take it. It was was so great to just see everything just slowly fall into place and i think that's one thing a lot of people don't like to hear sometimes they want to hear the instant success they want to hear that if you take this tincture and put this bit on your horse that you'll immediately start running good times when it's one percent it is wow i actually ran to all the way to my first barrel and i didn't pull up my horse it is i push all the way past the timer and you just you slowly start to see these things slowly fall together and it was 
really cool to see that every single run in, I think it was 2022. Yeah. Um, just, it just, every run got a little bit better. And it was just this ladder, which was almost a bad thing too, because I came to expect to get better after every run. And then there were a few times where I'm like, oh, I got worse. And then I started to kind of like hammer myself and I'm like, what am I doing wrong? What did I do? Like, you know, what, what is wrong with my horse? What's wrong with me? And I almost kind of started, it almost became a bad habit to expect that progress every single time. And then it was something where I had to just reel myself back and say, like, I can't expect progress. Like, I can't expect to get a second faster every time. You just, you can't expect that. It's more of, I didn't cry going, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know what I mean? It's, it's those little tiny things of, yes, I knocked the second barrel, but did you see how good my approach was? I love- and I just had to fix that one little thing. And say it, does, it does come toxic at some point because your good habits can become bad habits and you're going to backtrack. That's how it is. That's human nature. That's how we work. You're going to backtrack. You're going to start seeing bad things. And you're going to start questioning yourself and it's not going to be perfect every single step of the way. And it's not going to be a uphill. It is going to be a. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be a bumpy, windy road. Yeah. But. Oh, go ahead. I'm just. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. I was just going to say that as you're never going to see the ups. They're going to come. Just you can't expect an up without a down. And. It's just better to be, and the more mentally prepared you are for that, the better off you'll be. And it's something I'm still working on today. It is something you're going to continue working on for the rest of your life. You're never going to be perfect at it, but you'll just find yourself coping just a little bit better every single time. Yeah. No, I really love what you're talking about because it's so mentally healthy. It's great because you're talking a lot of, no, But a lot of what you're talking about is your mental filter because you're talking about, okay, as we go through this process, like, and kind of your growth and progression naturally through that experience where you're like, well, okay, in the beginning, I'm going to have some pretty big wins. We got faster by a second. Like, maybe that's not sustainable. Okay. But then I'm disappointed because I don't want to get like a hundredth of a second faster or you know, and so you're kind of working through these natural feelings of kind of maybe a little bit of entitlement, a little bit of disappointment, of frustration, and then kind of figuring out, okay, how do I filter this in a way that can support me? And so kind of you came around to a lot of what I like to talk about, which is that the 1% wins. Because I would say, even if you have a terrible ride, there was probably something. There was something in there. And it's okay. You know, and you mentioned that where you're like, maybe I hit the second barrel, but my approach was fire or like I didn't cry and I cried last time. These are exactly the kind of things that people get embarrassed to say out loud. But if you want to build your confidence, you have to put deposits into your confidence bank, right? You have to be feeding yourself like things that you're doing well, or you're just going to be like, obviously I'm trash. I'm just going to give up. And so you have to find those like, you know, maybe it's literally that you showed up to do Mm -hmm. or you showed up to the barrel race. Maybe you don't even compete, but you're like, I showed up. And then I went and cried in my truck, but I showed up. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
And so you have to be able to kind of filter for like, what's the nugget in here that is something that's... 100%. And I think one thing that my coach and a good friend of mine kind of instilled in me is that I was kind of getting hard on myself where I was like, well, I can't say all these good things about myself. How am I going to get better if I just keep myself, tell myself I'm good? And just like, no, it's not necessarily that. It's just instead of saying, here are five things I want to do better with next time or five things I did wrong and two things I did good. Here are three things I did good. And here are two things that I don't want to work on. Mm-hmm. And even just rephrasing it as here are two things I did wrong versus two things I want to work on is like huge. It's and yeah, I, it's yeah, thing. yeah. A hundred percent. And it's just instead of like putting down on yourself. And I mean, like you just, sorry, just the whole, like we're talking about like crying in the truck and stuff. And I just, I want people to know that it's not, not a norm to cry. And I feel like a lot of people don't realize that with, I mean, I don't care if you're 1D or 5D or you are only here for time onlys. Like we all get emotional about this. Like we do. And it's something we don't talk about. Like, I can't tell you how many times I have sat in the tack room crying after a run because I was like either disappointed in myself or I saw someone do better than me or, you know, it's just like little tiny things. And it's like, it happens. You're not alone in that. We all do it. Some more than others, some less than others, how the ball rolls. But yeah. And some of what it comes with that is that the more you can just acknowledge those feelings, the less they'll hold you hostage. Mm-hmm. Because I think we kind of feel like there's certain kind of allowed emotions, right? I'm allowed to feel like, I mean, I have a horse. It's a princess problem. And it's kind of like, yes, but that's still a little bit toxic to dismiss all right. and invalidate you of like, Okay, you you can be really grateful that you have this horse, that you have this opportunity, and it's going to kind of fester and eat out, eat at you if you can't just acknowledge, well, I'm, I'm really sad. I'm really disappointed that I didn't ride the way I wanted to ride today, you know? And then you can kind of be like, okay, and then I'll give myself a few minutes to be sad and then still have my gratitude, right? But kind of just that you're mm-hmm. like, you can feel two things. Oh, yeah, 100%. And it's just... Realizing that that whole like cowgirls don't cry mentality. I mean, don't get me wrong. Love the song. Love everything about it. But it does get a little bit toxic to a point where to think that it's not tough. I mean, I don't know how to say it other than it's just like we see it as weakness when it's not weakness. It is emotion. We're humans. We have to express it or else it's just going to explode one day. And that is coming from someone who has had a couple explosions in her life. (laughs) So don't hold it in. It's okay. Let it out. I mean, let it out on your horse. Don't let it out on other people. You know, it's one thing I had to learn and just doing it in private. Um, But it's normal. It is so normal. Well, as we're going through this. So if you were to summarize, (laughs) would you say, what sort of lessons have you learned about mental resilience through this experience? Man, I got to think about that one <laughs> for a minute. Oh, man, I think it's just mental resilience. I would say, if anything, like 
I don't know if it really goes into it, but I think just really seeing myself as an athlete really is what kind of opened my eyes into everything. And um, I don't know, it's just my motto now is just treating us like athletes. And yeah, I mean, it's really simple, but it snowballs really quickly. And I think that's what I like about it. And once I learned that it's like okay to treat myself every once in a while, you know, my horse doesn't have to get all this and then I get like this. I mean, we joke about it all the time, you know, like, oh, my horse gets their nails done every six weeks. And I have never the last time I got my nails done. I get my nails done like every month now because I deserve that. And I I like that. And that's okay that I like that. I'm not being selfish for that. And um, yeah, I think I once I just realized that I was an athlete too, it just opened up the floodgates. So I don't know if that counts, but I think what you're one another way to describe what you're saying is the idea that like because one of the things I like to coach people through is kind of like, well, if you want to be a champion, how does the champion behave, right? What are their Mm -hmm. thoughts? What are their actions? What are their behaviors? What's their routine? Like all of these things. And so because it's kind of you want to have a vision of what you want. What is the vision of you that already has what you want? How do they act? And that's what you're doing. And you're saying, I'm an athlete. How does an athlete train? How does an athlete recover? How does an athlete mm-hmm. like think? How do they do this? And so you're giving yourself that version of yourself that's an athlete to guide your thoughts and your behaviors and just really stepping in. Five percent. And it is like, I mean, I will openly admit to I know we never haven't talked much about the injury or anything, but I mean, I just want to say too, your first injury with a horse is gonna suck. It's gonna suck, especially if you love competing. I was depressed. I had another horse at that point too. And I was working with him, but I was still depressed. Like, I mean, I was really down deep. This new injury, I had two weeks where I was pretty down in the dumps. And I took a month of off social media, off everything to just focus on me and focus on my mental health and focus on getting a plan for my horse. I feel great. I mean that like this past couple months, even though I'm not competing and don't get me wrong, I miss competing so much, but I'm happy and I'm thriving. I'm working on my goals and I have things set in place and I'm not competing. I think that was where I took a wrong turn where I started thinking as competing as happiness. And um, yeah, but like now it's just been so much better. So taking that time off of when I was working on my confidence has helped me deal with this new injury and realize like it's okay. We're going to come back. Like, will it be this year? Maybe, maybe not. I'm okay if it's not because now we're going to just give us more time off, more time to work on things, more time for me to be a better rider, more time for my horse to be a better horse. And we'll do what we need to do. And that's that. Oh. Like literally, my heart is just like glowing. (laughs) Oh, that's just oh, I just love everything about that. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, no, it's just because that's really the goal. Is that like horses? Kind of, if you have a horse, horses are kind of your life. They kind of take over Mm -hmm. everything. But how do you balance that with like? I think you're right on the money there. Of competing, like we can think competing equals happiness. And if you're doing that wrong, obviously you can't be happy. So, you know, and so that's just, oh, I feel like I, I have to ask you then. So tell me about how has this affected your bond with Royal? 
like going through all this? I'll just yeah. No, no. Yeah, we are really close. He is. I'm him if he was a human and he's me if I was a horse. Like, he's just the goofiest and he's got so much personality. I will say right now, he's a little angry at me because not only is he on stall rest, but he's walking only. We now open up the gate where we can trot for a minute, but he is not happy about that. And he makes it very clear that he's not happy with it. And it sounds weird. And you know what? I might get hate for this, but whatever. He's entitled to his feelings. He's not kicking me. He's, if you know what, he wants to rear every once in a while, get that energy out, bud. As long as you're not running me over, <laughs> you do your thing because I'd be angry too, you know? Um, but honestly, like just being able, especially when he first wore his tendon, like all we could do was groom and walk and spend time with him. So it's gotten to the point where I had even almost said that he's gotten like boring, not boring, but you know, like he's so predictable. I know like with every thought, I I think he knows mine too, <laughs> but it's just thinking, I know what he's going to do. He knows what I'm going to do. Uh, it's just been so cool to see how our relationship has gotten stronger from this by just spending that low quality time with each other and i encourage everyone even i mean your horse doesn't have to be injured to do that you know just spending time with your horse get to know your horse know when they nap know when uh where their favorite scratching spot is uh they're different knickers because i mean that's one thing i don't think a lot of people know is like their knickers every single one is different it means so many different things so learning that learning what like their eye what their eyes tell you what their ears tell you like i mean it's just it's so cool to get to know your horse better and it's like oh it's like almost a different horse it's so cool i love it i love that yes it's already it's yeah just super really deepened your bond and really just brought you a lot closer which is that's wonderful yeah it's it's so great it might be a little bad because now it's like i might let him get away with a little bit more than he used to get away with and i'm Really, the trainer sign you know. I know, and I mean, even just like he loves chewing on things. Yeah, and I let him chew on my coat, and a lot of people are like, well, "He's going to bite you." I'm like, "He's not going to bite me." Yeah, it sounds bad. But I'm like, I I know him. I know his behaviors, and I'm I've got him down to a T. He likes he likes zippers. He loves zippers. He loves going the zipper up and down. He loves you know. Just nibbling on your hood while you're walking he's a cow horse he loves tracking you he'll put his nose like he'll put his lip up and he'll just put his teeth like on your back and he won't bite you but he'll come change <laughs> you're his cow and he's gotta make sure you're going the right way <laughs> trying to stay mentally fit you know you know you gotta keep him engaged oh my God. <laughs> but no he's so much fun i love him to death he is so awesome well, tell me, so this is a lot a bit about you. Tell me about how your kind of team, like what was it like working with your vet or your, you know, if you have a trainer, like kind of through all this stuff, like how were they able to kind of support you like mentally through all this? Or I know some vets will be like, yeah. I don't know, it's just totally different. Here's the, here's the bill. <laughs> yeah. And don't get me wrong, I had that for sure. And I've actually had gone through a lot of vets in the past 
three years, three, four years. I mean, some of that has been moving, but um, the vet that initially diagnosed Royal's injury was amazing. Him and his wife were so awesome. They constantly checked up on us. Like it was just, it was so amazing. And I remember when we had that second ultrasound that dictated that Royal had indeed retorn his tendon. I remember the, um, I went out, of course, was crying by the trailer because my horse retore his tendon. I thought we were getting better. You know, it was hard. She came over, gave me a big hug. She prayed with me and gave me a verse. And I have that verse on a one of my halters now. And that just, it meant a lot to me. Uh, the people at the rehab facility I sent him to, amazing team, amazing team. They sent me updates all the time. They loved Royal. They loved sending me pictures of Royal smiling because he loves the smile. And um, they're the ones who kind of helped me learn where to get my resources for conditioning and rehab. And they kind of, she was the one that kind of helped me get the ball rolling. And then the vet I have now, which diagnosed Royal's current injury, she's so awesome. She is so cool. She respects the fact that I went to school this past year. Um, last year in early spring, which was so cool. Even if you don't think about going into body work or you don't want to trim, go for a week. I encourage every horse person to go for a week because you will learn so much about horses and you'll be able to like go to a vet or your farrier in confidence and say, I know what's going on. And now we can have a like conversation and we can understand each other. Oh, what um, was it again? What did you? Uh, I went to ho- a hoof and body school, which teaches structural therapy. So it's body work and barefoot trimming and how they correlate with each other. Super cool. Um, but I mean, there's online courses. There is in person. I mean, I just encourage people if the, you have somewhere local or somewhere online that you can go to learn more about your horse, do it. Especially like learning how the hoof functions. Mind blowing. Mind blowing stuff. Anyway, the doctor that I'm seeing now, the vet I'm seeing now, she respects the fact that I know some things. And it was just so cool to be able to talk to her. And I'm like, yes, I know what that muscle is. And yes, I know how that functions. And she was able to lay everything out to me in the way to be like, here's every little step. And here's how we're going to do it. I have them on my phone. We text constantly and it's so cool. And I think that is imperative to have a good relationship with these professionals, with your body worker, with your tremor, with your vet. Have good relationships because when there's something wrong, you need to feel confident in asking them questions. Because if you're scared of them, because I had that issue like a couple of vets back where I was just like, Oh, I don't want to bother them. They know what they're talking about. And it ended up putting my horse sure worse, you know, and he ended up getting, we were sent back a while because of that, because of, I didn't have the confidence to ask, why are you doing this? Um, but also having them support you. You know, I even talk to the rehab girls still sometimes and I'll send her picture videos of her running and she's like, Oh my gosh, she looks awesome. And, you know, and having that support system, they need to know what your horse does. They need to know all these things. And I just think that. Having those good relationships, so imperative. So, 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 so important. But yeah, it's so important. I can't stress that enough. <laughs> yeah. No matter yeah. your discipline. It doesn't matter what you're doing. 
yeah, having that because it is. It's I think because that's another thing that I like to just inc- remind people of is that we think sometimes it's just the rider, it's just your trainer, it's, but it's it's a whole team, you know. Because even right there, you're talking about a vet and a body worker and how you know the hoof care plays into everything, and it's all of these. It's a bigger team. It's not just one. It's, it's a big circle. Everything affects everything. So imperative. It's so cool. A little scary. <laughs> well, given that you're just, Lori said, everything impacts everything. So that is making me think of community because a lot of people, especially if you are competitive, um, one of the things that's really hard if you have an injury is the idea of, oh, I'm not going to be connected to anybody on this community because I'm, what am I going to sit at home and twiddle my thumb for six months, you know? So how did you stay connected? With the, you know, the local horse community, with the rail racing during your kind of hiatus here. I'm going to be honest. The first injury, I was not mm-hmm. at all because it was COVID. I moved from Yakima to where I am now. I didn't know. I knew maybe two or three people here. There was no barrel races going on. So it was, I, I didn't have any connection. And I think that truly plays a part into why I got pretty depressed during that point too. Because I didn't know anyone. I couldn't trailer with someone. But now I, I've got my barn. I board. And my barn is my family. I love them so, so much. And they keep me connected. Um, I get people at work, too. I'm a chiropractic assistant. And I think we get a lot of questions and stuff coming through there. So having that is super awesome. Um, online i know a lot of people like to bash social media and say it's toxic which it can be don't get me wrong but it's also so awesome and i love the community it can bring that's kind of what really helps get me through in person it's kind of hard especially right now with this whole polar vortex thing we've got going on there's nothing really going on and i will say we're all kind of chose a decent time to get injured because there's nearly no barrel races going on in the winter anyway I couldn't really do anything. Let me rest and feed me carrots, you know. Right. Exactly. So I'm kind of like the community where we all kind of take a break from that October to February, March. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's stuff going on, but it's not a lot. Um, but I think social media has really kind of helped me stay impacted. I've been able to ride a few other people's horses um, and still stay connected in that community even though it might not be in in the community i'm a part of the community still so i think it's it is important i like that you bring up too that there's there's a, just a bunch of different ways that you can stay connected right that it doesn't 100%. have to literally be i'm competing at this race it can be i have you know i'm connecting on social media i have people at this barn like you can get support in a lot of ways and i think that's oh yeah and i mean how many times have we gone to a barrel and not talked to a single person there? Yeah, because you're like, fo- you're focused, yeah. man. I mean, that was one thing I set a goal for myself uh, last year in 2023 was to talk to more people mm-hmm. and make those connections. And I did. And it was great. It was so awesome to be like, feel the confidence, be like, just even complimenting someone in the warm up arena. Like, like in the warm-up pen or telling someone congratulations after a good run. Like those little tiny connections build up. And then especially me being, I was working, I was doing body work for a while. Now it's too cold. I'm not going out anywhere. But when I was doing body work and working on horses um, still as a student, uh, that was so cool. I was being able to 
to so many people in the community that I was like, I've seen you at races, but I've never actually talked to you. And then it got to the point where I'm working on your horse. You see me at the barrel race and I had like a little cheer squad going on, you know, and I, I knew a bunch of different people and like, I could look at the horse and like, I know that horse, you know, and it's really cool. And it's really scary, especially if you have social anxiety. I think we all have social anxiety to a degree. And it's very intimidating to be like, I'm going to talk to someone at a race, but it's so worth it. And you just got to take the little tiny baby steps. And trust me, it is, it's so worth it. It's so cool to see that community build. It's so awesome. I love that. I Because I think that we all can relate to that feeling of it's scary to talk to some other people, right? Especially if you're at a competition and, you know, people get tunnel vision. They're having all sorts of big feelings that have nothing mm-hmm. to do with you, but it's right. People look really scary, and then you're feeling scared. And so, <laughs> being like, I'm "Oh like, yeah, what a pretty horse you have!" Hey, like, and just that those. Yeah, I love your breast collar. I love your saddle pad. Yeah, really, just that it doesn't have to be a huge, overwhelming thing. Just like a night. People nice- love to be complimented. Like, people love to get compliments. I love to get compliments. Who doesn't love to get compliments? You have a beautiful. It's a great way. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, everyone loves it. It's, it's a great conversation starter, you know? I mean, obviously, don't talk to someone when they're about ready to go into their run. They're about, they're trying to focus, you know? But it's just, it's little tiny things. Well, and the other tiny thing, thing is that I really feel like this also ties back to confidence because mm-hmm. one of the things that a lot of people are scared of is that they're scared of other people right? Mm-hmm. They go to compete and they're like, I know there's somebody here who doesn't like me, at least one person. And I'm pretty sure there's at least three other people who are giving me the stink eye. And it like, they, it just becomes this whole thing of like, you know, she's warming up weird. She's doing this thing. I don't know. Like it becomes a whole thing. And so it becomes another fear. And we're all about facing those head on and like dealing with it. And mm-hmm. You can do something, even a small action, like just saying hello. It's like you're popping that fear bubble of like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like you're just you're creating you're facing that fear and then you're giving yourself a new narrative where you're like, oh, I'm going to say something nice. Somebody's going to say something nice to me. Maybe there is somebody Mm -hmm. who doesn't like me, but I know that there's somebody who's going to smile and wave. And that really starts to change that narrative. And it's something that you don't think is necessarily related to your confidence or competition, but it absolutely is. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Totally. Agree. That's spot on. Yes. And especially people being like, oh, so-and-so is judging me. Learning to just shrug your shoulders because First, guess what? And it's kind of hard, you know, like. Oh, yeah. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. Everyone's judging someone. Even you're judging someone. Like, like, bro, I just said it yourself too right yeah and i'm just like it's just is always judging you it doesn't matter how good of a person you are it doesn't matter how many things you do for other people someone's going to be judging you and that is yeah doesn't matter i mean it takes a lot of confidence to get to the point to say it doesn't matter and even when it doesn't matter there are still times where you feel like it does matter but you can get to that point you can it's not impossible and the sooner, like not the sooner, but when you get to that point, you're going to kind of just be like, you know what? I am going to wear the tie dye pants today and I'm going to look so good in them. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I love it. 
All right. Well, let me ask you, I've just got one or two other questions for you. So let me ask, um, well, what's been your biggest, do you have anything that's been like a, a real source of inspiration for you during this period? hundred percent. Um, couple things, but I'm not, I won't, I won't try to go too far into it. Um, as cheesy as it sounds, I've taken the past year or two to really focus on like younger me and reflecting on like just how far I've come. And I think that's been like one of my big events because I mean, when I was, I grew up, no one in my family like wanted to do anything with horses. No one knew anything about horses. So the fact that I went from like a little girl who like was like, I get to see a horse today. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Like, you know, and my room was decked out in briars and I had horse books all over the shelves. And the fact that, that little girl who every single birthday, every single Christmas dreamed that, but, you know, there'd be a horse waiting out, you know, the fact that now I'm like, I get to own a horse, ride a horse. I get to compete on a horse. Like, I didn't care about competing when I was that young. I didn't care. I didn't even know, you know, I just wanted a horse and just reflecting on how far I've come for that has just been so inspirational. I mean, like how much, like I already made her proud. Like what else can I do to make her proud? You know? Um, and then I, I mean, she's a, she's comfort controversial person, but Fallon Taylor has just been such an amazing inspiration for me. She was the one I first saw at the NFR. It was like one of my first years of watching NFR. And I saw her, it was when I was dealing with my helmet insecurity too, because I was pissed that I, was, I had to wear a helmet. I was like, this it sucks. <laughs> this is like cool. I hate this, you know? And then being, and then just watch her fly in the arena, like, she's wearing a helmet. And just seeing how confident and happy she was was just like, oh, that's supposed to be fun. This can be fun, you know? So I wanted to do Rodeo Queen for a while because I, I saw how much fun they were having. And then I saw Fallon. I'm like, oh my gosh, you can have both. It was so cool. And she just continued to be, I've gone to clinics. And I mean, I I got to spend a local race over around here um, a few years back. She remembered me from when I went to her ranch. She had a meetup thing. So I went over there and she recognized me and I was able to spend like the whole weekend with her and she cheered me on during my runs. I was able to sit on a bench with Fallon Taylor drinking a Dr. Pepper and having one-on-one conversation. I like the little 12-year-old in the back of my mind was screaming like she was like. <laughs> and just the fact that we've gotten to the point now where she calls me out on my bullshit. She, she calls me out on it. And when I was having issues with an old horse, she was like, why? Why are you having these issues? You know, and she called me out to the point where she's like, you know what? He's not the horse for you. I'm really sorry, but he's not, you know, and she, she's just been there to kind of reset me on my path. And she continues to be an inspiration to me. She's just such a cool lady. I don't care what you think of her. She has made an empire. She has made like just her business, her health, how she treats herself like an athlete is what really got me going on this path. 
And I mean, she's got me thinking about doing cold plunges now. So, I mean, if that tells you something. If your house is like my house, we're covered in snow. And I literally opened the front door and I was like, if I roll in the snow today, does that count as a cold? Because, yeah, I was like, I think I could do it. Like, Oh, I know. I was like um, a couple of days ago. It's still snow out here, but it was sunny. And I'm like, I think I could do like grounding today. I think I can combine the chirotherapy and the grounding together. For <laughs> two, you know, over two minutes and then you'll... Yeah, you'll exactly. Those, right? No, yeah. But no, it's just, she's been inspiration how she treats herself and how she treats her horses. It's just been such an eye-opener for me. But yeah, she's... Her and little me just is a big combination about what I do and why I do it. So it's it's so cool. I love it. But also like my followers and my community I built on Instagram is also a huge, huge inspiration to keep pushing, keep learning new things and keep paving that path because that is just it's been so, so, so incredible to I've had people like to have people message me and say that I helped them or I inspired them. It's just, oh my gosh, my heart, it just explodes. I've cried a couple of times just from like, I did that to someone. I got to help someone like that. It's so awesome. Like, it is so cool. And it brings me so much joy and it is what really helps keep me going. So I just, I love it so much. Love it. And I love hearing you say like, because you haven't used this word directly, but a lot of what you're describing is also gratitude, right? Where you're mm-hmm. thinking like you're kind of like, yeah, my little self would be like, wow, this is this was the goal. Like, let's not be so busy to move the goalpost, you know, and right like gratitude for that. And also fun because, yeah, I, I, I think more people should have fun. If you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. And so I I just I really love hearing that of like, you're like, yeah, you can do this and you can have fun and you can, you know, it's. Yeah, treat yourself like it's meant to be fun. That's why we started doing it in the first place. I mean, I I think that's how we all started horses and we all started competing because we looked at it and we're like, that sounds like fun. I want to do that. That looks cool. Yeah, I want to do that. Looks so cool. It's it's backtracking almost, but I love it. Yeah. Well, so okay, so if people want to follow you and they're like, man, I want to find out when you know how Royal is doing. How do they how do they find you? Um, my Instagram is my main thing. It is at Mackenzie underscore May 02. That's kind of my main thing. I've got some other social media outlets, but it's mainly just Instagram. I'll put that in the show notes so people can. Thank you. <laughs> see her and her adorable pony and all of it <laughs> down there in the show notes too, because she's a great inspiration and oh, really. <laughs> well, this thank is, you so much. Yeah, no, this has been my pleasure. I am just so grateful. Thank you for coming on and sharing. We have covered everything. Well, there's even more, but we're going to cut it off. <laughs> I have like five hours of show snuggling to do. Um, <laughs> yeah, but no. But well, this- thank you. No, thank you so much for having me. It's been so awesome. It's just been so cool. And being able to do this is just like, it's so much fun. I love it so much. <laughs> it really is. So thank you so much. It's just been my pleasure to have you on. And thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Enjoy your snow shoveling. <laughs> They're amazing writers. Before we wrap up today's episode, I've got something truly special for you. 
As we close out 2023 and start anew in 2024, it's the perfect time to reflect on your equestrian journey and set some exciting new goals for the year ahead. I am thrilled to introduce you to my end-of-year riding reflection worksheet. This isn't just any worksheet. This is your personal roadmap to dive deep into your riding experiences, your dreams, and aspirations to make sure you learn from all you went through this last year and extract the knowledge and wisdom that you need to level up. With this powerful tool, you'll celebrate your achievements, pinpoint areas for growth, and craft a vision for your equestrian journey in this upcoming year. Now, here's the best part. It's absolutely free. It's my gift to you. To get your hands on this invaluable resource, all you have to do is head over to my website, nicoleburnettcoaching.com, or click the link conveniently placed in the podcast description. So saddle up, grab your favorite pen, and embark on this transformational journey of reflection and vision. Let's make the next year your most remarkable one yet.